Fucking writing podcast. I am Tyler Dempsey, your host. Episode one, the Alpha. I was at work today, and uh, most of you probably don't know unless you're like my mom listening. Hi, mom. Uh, but I'm a park ranger, and a lot of times I end up talking with the public quite a lot. I had this guy come in, and he didn't fit the bill of a experienced backcountry traveler we'll, we'll put it that way and you know i sent him off on some stuff hopefully not to his death but his itinerary was staggering it, it was impossible and for one it had me just thinking about a couple of things it had me thinking we don't know anything about each other and so much of the world it's a bunch of bullshit but like so much is just we judge people immediately by appearance and We base our entire interaction past that initial point based upon those initial judgments. And I guess what I'm trying to say about that is just, God damn it, we're all just trying to do our best. Like, be kind to each other. Try not to judge. And secondly, you know, I'm starting this podcast. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I, I don't know anything. And I'm also uh, writing a novel right now, and even though it's going to be my, you know, fourth fourth book, I still don't feel like I have any clue what this process entails. I don't feel like I'm a writer, honestly, most of the time. And simultaneously with all of that, I'm I'm trying to learn a second language. And there's kind of a beauty in just striking out into the nothing and like not knowing anything and just going for it. Like the, you know, this guy that I spoke with today, there's something beautiful about that. So anyways, let's get on to it. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, I re- really, really appreciate it. It means so much. And first conversation is with Mason Parker. Uh, I know Mason through Twitter, like probably most of you listening and he's a great guy. He, uh, wrote an amazing book. It's called Until the Red Swallows It All. And Mason Parker is a Oklahoma-born, Montana-based writer. He holds a master's in environmental studies from the University of Montana. His work has been featured in X-Ray, Hobart, International Journal of Wilderness, Bull, Men's Fiction, etc., etc., etc. Great writer. So let's get to it. Let's just get into the conversation with Mason. First of all, I think it would probably be good to just break down what is until the red swallows at all. Cause I, I'll admit like I read the book, I got it from you. I'm familiar with the writing. I read your mm-hmm. stuff online when I see it pop up. And yeah. uh, I was kind of like, I was surprised yeah. put it that way. So like, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. What, what is it like in your own words? You mean like as a book or as a title or the concept? Maybe like all three. What what were you yeah. aiming for with yeah. something like this? Yeah. You know, I think that my background is weird because I come from a, a background of environmental writing. And that's like what I've been interested in, you know, even before going more into the indie lit scene and stuff like that like um, right on was that like from college or from childhood and who are you reading like 
Yeah, I mean, so the big one obviously was Ed Abbey. You read Ed Abbey and that kind of like starts you down a path. And then you start reading people like Doug Peacock and then, you know, Jim Harrison. And then, you know, eventually, you know, halfway through this manuscript, somebody was said, have you read uh, Charles Bowden? Your stuff reminds me a lot of Charles Bowden. And then I, so I picked up Charles Bowden's book, Blood Orchid. And it fucking blew my mind, right? Uh I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I've, somebody's already fucking done what I'm doing before, you know, because I think that grow, you know, whenever I was, I was younger, you know, just like any dude in his early twenties, like I started reading Burroughs and the beats and stuff like that. And the stuff that always appealed to me from Kerouac wasn't so much like on the road, but it was more like the Dharma bums kind of thing. And, and then from there, you know, you get Gary Snyder and it kind of like sets you down that path, you know? And so that was kind of that, that's who appealed to me. But, you know, like I said, I was like super into Burroughs. And then eventually, I don't know, I, I grew out of Burroughs a little bit yeah. in a way that I didn't grow out of some of the other, <laughs> some of the other writers that you're supposed to grow out of, like uh, Henry Miller. I'm like, I so oh, fucking yeah. love Henry yeah, Miller. And I was like, right I on. never left my Henry Miller face. <laughs> like, it is still here. It is still going strong. Yeah, um, I, w- I wanted to like, uh, just it partly do like a shout out. You mentioned Doug Peacock. I, yeah. I would assume not very many people listening to this probably have read him. Right. Yeah. And um, I like Grizzly Years completely pulled me over Fuck when, yeah, I, dude. when I read it, man, yep. and like pretty much read everything by him immediately after yeah, that, like in totally. a fear, fury of a year. That struck a chord, like basing around your own writing, um, yep. because what I saw him doing, and he's openly vocal about it, is like working through trauma. Yep. Right. Through nature writing. Right. Yep. Were you yep. kind of? Were you kind of trying to do that in a sense, or I mean, does that in resonate? a way? You know, I'd say that. The other influences as far as structurally, not really. I, I feel like with Doug Peacock and uh, Ed Abbey, it's sort of like the scrappy mountain rider kind of thing that I loved about them. But structurally for the book, I'd say more influential was someone like Annie Dillard, which is just, you know, writing about a person who's discovering the world <laughs> and discovering yeah. like the things that inform the world and doing it in the way where you know it doesn't really it i don't know it seems to happen in like these these moments for me right where it's like oh shit something happens and that's like clarity you know maybe i don't even recognize it at the time but reflecting on it or like writing it out later you know i'll be like yeah there's a reason why this is like stuck in you know stuck in my brain and uh as i'm writing through it i realize the significance of it you know the idea was you know there, there? I mean, there is some trauma there. I'm not a I'm not a war veteran, <laughs> you know, sure. like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Peacock. <laughs> but you know, there there are other wars. You know, I think that there is some working through trauma there. But I don't know. I mean, there's also like you know, I think it's more of a celebration of of things. At least that's what I hope. Even though God, sometimes I've done a reading and I'm like, man, that was a real fucking bummer, wasn't it? It's I'm sorry. sorry. It <laughs> I'm really sorry. is. You know, like, uh, uh, but there is like a a light there. Right. Um, kind of like a hope. What, like, how long was this stewing? Dude, I, I kicked it out pretty quick. Really? Uh, yeah, I started writing it in 2019 and finished it in 2020. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I think that I... Well, that's kind of true. So I had a short story that I wrote called Don't Let Good Roadkill Go to Waste. And that was the... That was that ended up being like a line in the end of the... Yeah. Uh, in, the in the epilogue. But I kind of... The book grew out of that. And so I think that maybe I wrote that. That might have been 2018. And then it set for a while. And then I tried to like sort of expand on it. There how was long, like... 
how long had you been away from Oklahoma? Because for people who haven't read the book, like yeah. most of the action is occurring right in the state where you grew up, right? Yeah. Two years. Okay. Yeah. Right. I moved I, I moved out of Oklahoma in 2016. You know, it was kind of it was I was in and out, right? So I lived in China for a little while. And then I lived in I lived in Prague for two years in the Czech Republic. So I was kind of always coming in and out after like 2010. But there was a stint of time like 2000. What was that? Like, oh, was that four years? I don't know. Like, two, no, like 2013 to 2015 that I was in Oklahoma and then moved to Montana in 2016 and then just haven't left. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Right. So it was like a, a little bit of like a fallow landing point, like in between some travels. And then you also spent extended time there relatively recently, yeah. uh, but then had like a couple years of a way to maybe think about yeah, what, for what sure. it meant, you know, like it's hard. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And, and, you know, man, it sucks because I go back to Oklahoma and, you know, I'm, I'm always curious about like what my old friends are doing. And I'm like, man, people are fucking bad in my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, people are not doing good, bro. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. You know, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. So. No, I'm, la- I'm laughing out of understanding. Like, because yeah, for like anyone who doesn't know about me, I know, you know, that I, I also, uh, from, am from Oklahoma. Right. And, um, I don't know how much like that influenced, my opinion on the book, which I loved it, by the way, just to kind of I get appreciate that out. That. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like some of the shit you would be talking about, you would mention like street names. Yeah. And I would literally have memories of like two streets away, right. like doing very <laughs> similarly, like shady right, shit right. with similarly shady people. Yeah. And so I know, right. I know That's what your so friends funny. look and feel like, man, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And aside from like Oklahoma and the fact that nobody else writes about that state or even really knows what the hell, I know. where it is, yeah. what, you know, what struck me a bunch from your collection um, was its divergence from like typical lit twit. Uh, yeah. Kind of writing. Like, it, uh, and I'm curious, yeah. like, do you, and this, I mean, this is such a, a squirrely question and probably nobody has an answer for it or whatever, but uh, do you have like a feeling of a community, online community, people you feel like are peers or uh, like, cause I, I don't know. I, I called your book ambitious in, yeah. in a DM that we kind of started this whole process that ended in this uh, conversation. Yeah. But you're doing some different shit. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, okay. So one, that book, the, the manuscript largely came to be before I even really got involved in like, you know, literary Twitter and, and, you know, I, I don't, it's, yeah, this is a complicated question. So it is. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't find myself necessarily drawn stylistically to a lot of what I see, like within indie lit, like I appreciate it. Um, but stylistically and like what goes into it conceptually either, you know, I, you know, there are like some super standout, you know, stuff, but, you know, I think that largely, you know, it's this, there's, there's a style of sort of, uh, minimalism, which I'm fucking awful at, right? <laughs> like you're good at it, but then like oh, whenever, you. yeah. It, but whenever I try and write like that, I'm like, this is dog shit. I can't, like, I just can't do this. And that's why they, I, there's like certain people, like I cannot read Carver if I'm trying to write because yeah. I start trying to write like Carver and Who I can't doesn't, do right? that. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's just, I, I just, I just got to back away from it. I can read Carver when I don't plan on doing any writing. 
I, I appreciate that style, but you know, if I'm like thinking of, and I, I noticed this about you too. So I was going through and I was like, okay, so, so I was looking at your Goodreads ratings and one thing that I was like, okay, well, this kind of, this kind of shows where we diverge, uh, <laughs> which is you gave Cormac McCarthy, you gave Sutri two stars <laughs> and then gave No Country for Old Men five stars. And I was like, that could not be more the opposite of how I feel. Like, I, I read Sutri and I was like, my brain was brain melting. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I read No Country for Old Men and I was like, oh, the movie's better. <laughs> Interesting. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. No, I, that's uh, such a great way to, to describe the difference between us, I think. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, how how then? Because you're, you know, your colleagues mm-hmm. amongst your publisher mm-hmm. are a lot of recognizable indie yep. lit folks. Yeah. So how did how did you land the publisher? So, yeah, that was interesting because I didn't know. I wasn't sure exactly how Nate was going to respond to it. So, Shy Watson, you know, she's here in Missoula, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're good homies, and she's read a bunch of my stuff and was like, I think this would really appeal to Nate Perkins. And so maybe you should, you should have Trident take a look at it. And so I, I sent it off to Nate and wasn't sure what to expect because yeah, you're right. I mean, like he, he publishes stuff that's pretty different than mine. And, you know, he came back and was like, I love it, dude. You know, and he has that same sort of interest, I think, uh, that we were talking about, like the Doug Peacocks and the, you know, that 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 scrappy mountain rider thing. You know, you know, I think that he just uh, saw that in it and uh, and just went with it. So yeah, I mean, you know, I appreciate him kind of stepping out and taking a chance with it because it's not really, you know, what's making the rounds right now in indie lit. That's awesome. Cool, cool. Um, So this is kind of a, a a curveball or a little bit outside of the realm of what we've been running down so far. But um, I was curious, like you're obviously uh, big into the back country. You like to go hike, yeah. probably backpack and that sort of thing. What other things fill your time? I know you mentioned you got a nine to five. Um, yeah, yeah. What do you do for work? But like, what's, yeah. what, what's a typical meal throughout your day? Like, do you have any kind of yeah. disciplines? Do you meditate? Do you work out? Like what's, what's your Yeah. Routine? Yeah. Uh, so I try and meditate. Uh, I've been working out more. Uh, that just kind of it comes and it goes, you know, but yeah, I've been trying to, to work out more, especially like as winter sets in and shit. But I think that, you know, I'm, I'm also like very into, I don't know, like I have <laughs> like, so I, I I have like some spiritual practices, I guess, that meditation lends itself to that I'm very into. I have like an occult book club that I go to, you know. Oh, and really? That, really? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I'll, right. I'll admit, based on some of your stories and stuff. So. Right. Yeah. And 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 you know, I think that that kind of like it it weaves its way into my writing inevitably. You know, I'm not really an occult writer, even though like the first shit that I had published were in like occult magazines, and so no you know, shit, right? On. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I started sort of veering away from that. So, yeah. So there, there's that. And then, um, you know, I do I'm building a fucking chicken coop right now. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, a lot of the work that I do in my nine to five is like reuse material shit. So I'm always trying to figure out new ways. So I, you know, building raised garden beds uh, with old like reuse material that's been taken out of like old homes that have been taken down and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's what we're building the chicken coop out of too. Uh, cool. Well, you, uh, you might love this. I've also shared this information with Zach Smith in a DM because yeah. he's a, he's a chicken guy. Uh, but have you ever read the, uh, books, the, the primary colors and secondary colors from Alexander Thoreau? No, I haven't. Okay. So like he's Paul Thoreau. Okay. Another author's brother, but anyways, yeah, he okay. wrote these, uh, these books that, um, are really interesting. They, you know, each chapter focuses on a color from sentence to sentence. He's like all over the fucking place. Uh, uh-huh. if you happen to have read Diane Ackerman's A History of the Senses, it's a similar kind of, of st- I haven't read it, but all yeah. right, similar kind of style to that. It's like, uh, the sentences can go anywhere, but the, the fibers that hold the, th- the whole thing together is like, it's just talking about one goddamn thing over and over. Every, yep. you know, sentence is about blue or right. whatever. Uh, but anyways, apparently if you, uh, paint the inside of your coop orange, uh-huh. your, your hens will lay more eggs. Really? Uh, supposedly. I don't know. That's, that's in the book. I've never tried <laughs> that's it That's interesting. So <laughs> we were going to do like a, like a wizard, uh, themed one. We were going to do like the outside, like it was a, like a wizard's castle kind of thing. And then like <laughs> name them all at like Alistair Crowley, you know, and shit like that. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're we're still like working on like a uh, wizard themed uh, chicken names, but uh, yeah, it, so, so you know that that's another thing. Yeah, so but yeah, you know, I spend a lot of time. You know, I I was gonna get ready for a biathlon, so because so I've been practicing uh, shooting and uh, ski cross country skiing. Yeah, but then but then somebody told me too late. They're like, it's actually done on skate skis. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my god, well, I don't, I don't, I'm, I can't invest in that now. That's super. So I've just, I know. That's so weird. I've just been, I've just been skiing around on on cross country skis, shooting a gun, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Seems but... very very Missoula. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> the, so your your essays you kind of touched on this when you were talking about doing readings and being like damn that was a bummer uh yeah, they're yeah. they're dealing with heavy 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 shit and um yeah and even though the there's such like a grounded sense of place mm-hmm. that exists throughout the collection mm-hmm. there's this theme that i picked up anyways of like being like an unmooring and i was wondering like in your acknowledgments page you uh you talk about you know things are better now and you seem Mm -hmm. good like you seem in a good place yeah is there any like one thing that um you would contribute to that the change leaving Oklahoma as much as I hate to fucking say that because I don't, I don't dislike Oklahoma. And every time I go back, I mean, there's like a whole, there's a whole mixture of fillings, but I mean, everything did change, but I mean, it was that I had to get away more from like the lifestyle I was in, in Oklahoma than Oklahoma itself. And so, you know, moving up here, you know, I was able to sort of renew myself. Um, and it, I found something that I think that, <laughs> so, you know, I finished college and I moved to Europe for two years and I thought, you know, I'm going to move to Europe. I'm going to fucking figure it out. I'm going to understand what, what I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, and I was there for two years, came back to Oklahoma more fucking clueless than when I left, you know? And, and that was, that was that two years of like, man, this is rough. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, took the drinking real hard and you know, all that had like a, you know, a line of bad relationships and shit. And, um, and so then, you know, it was just like, I got to get away. And, and, you know, 
I don't think that it is like, well, no, I do think that there are some healing qualities to just getting out. And I was able to do that a lot more in Montana. And so, you know, I think that there's that, you know, getting into a healthy relationship is always a good thing, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I need, I need somebody to, to keep me a little bit balanced, I think, uh, because I, I don't know, I can get kind of wild whenever I'm just left to my own, you know, left to my, uh, yeah, yeah, your so. own devices. Well, what man, right. Like one line hit me um, and I don't, I've got the book, but it's just out of reach. I didn't mark the page or anything, but you, there's this line in one of your essays and you just kind of hit it and then you fly off again. But uh, it's something to the, f- the effect that like growing up in Oklahoma, there's this weird inversion almost where no one really expects anything out of you. Right. There's this just like profound indifference. Yeah. And like you feel, you got the feeling like I could become the governor or like yeah. a meth head, right, right? No one would really feel any differently about right. it. Um, yeah. And yeah. you you mentioned that that indifference is heavy. Yeah. And I, I like man, I I felt that so much. I've never felt it anywhere but Oklahoma. Yeah. I've never heard anyone aside from you point it out or talk about it. But man, it was yeah. just this like thing that lived on top of my stomach. Yeah. Like much like suicide. Yeah. And like yeah. I wonder if like some of the getting away was like finding a place that like nourished your soul or gave you a sense of like meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's good to have expectations of, (laughs) of yourself. And, and, uh, and, and so when you're in a place that doesn't really have any expectations of you, or you're in a, you're in a group of people that don't really have any expectations of you, you can get as fucking sloppy as you want. You can be, you can be as sloppy as you want, uh, which is fine. Sometimes I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a buzzkill, but like, you know, I, it can't be every day, you know, what's that, you know, the, it's not a party if it happens every night, you know, kind of thing. And, and, you know, I think that, I don't know in Oklahoma. Is it just that there's nothing to do? <laughs> That's it, dude. It's like it's like boredom that is so saturating. Yeah. And different than any other concept of boredom. Yeah. It's like a soul eating. Yeah. Thing. It's wild. It's just yeah. wild, man. Uh, yeah. I wanted to talk about too. Uh, there's an essay where you're talking about like cleaning fish with some friends after like <laughs> yeah. being out on the water. And yeah. then there's this like, you're, you guys are just bombarded by water moccasins that are yeah, like dude. built up into like a feeding frenzy. And like, yeah. there's this like scene of you guys like just running uh, yeah. weird like shit. And you're like tiger woodsing water yeah, moccasins dude. with like an yeah. oar or paddle. Dude, or some had, shit. Yeah, uh, it, was so, board, dude. it was <laughs> yeah, wild. Dude. That scene was insane. And uh, yeah, I mentioned like, I know you, you do a lot of the backcountry. Yeah. Uh, what's the craziest like brush with your own mortality that you've ever had? Yeah. Um, that's a pretty easy call. Okay. Well, that's not that easy, but there's a couple of them. So one of them, my friend, my buddy and my girlfriend and I were, uh, snowshoeing up to West Fort Butte lookout. Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. And so it's about seven and a half miles snowshoe in something like that. And we probably got started a little bit later than we, than we should have. Right. So we get up there, the sun's just about to go down and we can't find firewood anywhere. It's going to get down to, that was the coldest night that year. It got down to negative 13. And, and so we're like frantic, like the sun's, the sun's about to go down. Should we just snowshoe back out? Is that a thing? Da, 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 da. And so we're, we're just frantically like, uh, you know, just digging through the snow and then boom, Rebecca finds the pile of wood and fucking saves the day. My girlfriend does. And, and it was, it, but I was like, 
I didn't know what we were going to do, you know? Um, yeah. so that, that, that was a big one. You know, I've ran into bears a couple of times, but most of the time they seem a little less interested in me. So that, that's cool. Uh, there was one time whenever I was another snowshoeing out to a cabin situation and, uh, I was with my buddy, Nick, we were snowshoeing out and dude, we're going up. And all of a sudden we start seeing gear all over the trail. And dude, I shit you not, we, I, we're, I'm looking at it. Somebody stripped off all their clothes and this is in the middle of winter in Montana. And, um, yeah. yeah. And so I, uh, I, I start looking at the stuff to try and figure out what's going on. There's cooked bacon in the pan still. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck happened here? We get up there to the, and I'm like, is this like a hostage? Are we going to get out to this cabin? And we're like, come across like a Fargo situation. A bunch of hillbillies like yeah, throwing yeah, people dude. in a meat grinder. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we get up there. The door has been kicked doored. Somebody kicked in the door and it's been relocked, but the whole thing is like off the hinges and shit. And so we get in, we put the code in, we get in and like we read in the book, uh, you know, the, the journals that, they keep in those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that some dude had shown up in the middle of the night. He got there and then freaked out. He, I guess he had stripped off all his clothes because he was freezing to death. And I guess that sometimes yeah. when you get, you, just, you start feeling hot, like exactly. right before you die, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and he got to it and, and noticed that there was a lock and didn't look close enough to see that it was like a code lock. Thought it was a key lock. Kicked the door kicked in. that shit. Holy yeah, man. dude. It was wild. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. There's a, yeah. man, yeah, those, uh, those stories, camping stories that start with snowshoeing out to somewhere. <laughs> I know, dude. The winter I camping, man. Yeah. I, I, I some other time we'll have to share more stories. I got a lot of, yeah, for lot sure. of interesting shit, too. Well, cool, man. We got like a minute. Anything that like you want to talk about to close out? No, dude. I just, you know, I was curious about your thoughts on the book. We don't have much time, but, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. And I, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, like, it's funny you mentioned, you know, looking at kind of minimalism and being like, I can't fucking do that. Yeah. That was the total feel I had reading reading your stuff because it was just like yeah. damn like how does he how does he pace stuff yeah in this way because it like it took me a, it's not a thick book by any means right yeah but it took me a bit to read it yeah and it's just because the way that you pace it and the yeah. way you parse out your words and the words you choose and um i don't know the your attention your focus like kind of mirrors what i would assume your focus on wilderness right is and like just what what writes your existence and what writes what you're interested in and it really bleeds through your your work i think it's tremendous yeah i really appreciate that all right that was my conversation with mason parker i hope if you enjoyed what you heard um you click like or subscribe whatever button is associated with the medium you happen to be checking this out on and um yeah go check out mason's work masonparker.net or pick up until the red swallows it all from Trident Press. All right. Thanks so much.